0: Have your sports curiosity cured.
1: Bucks sports free. Nugent Hopkins boxes out two on two. McDavid with Hyman. Looking. McDavid. fell out. Shot. Stoodle. Trickle through. Carter Hart and Connor McDavid. James Edmonton, a 1-0 lead.
0: A veteran of the sports reporting game for over
1: 25 years. Rebound for Cut it back. McDavid beautiful pass
0: back and scores. Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams.
1: Will ever be that Flyers team again? In that regard, McDavid walks in. Feathers in front. Three shot,
0: score upstairs. Nugent Hopkins, his second of the night, and McDavid has a five point game. Oilers have blown this one open, five two. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports fourteen forty and the Kevin Carius Show.
2: And here we go for Saul, 82, January 3rd. Good morning. Welcome to the Kevin Carey Show. Thanks for tuning in. Yes, uh, magnificent McDavid, magical McDavid. Uh, one of the best performances that we've seen McDavid uh, Weave on home ice in his great career in Edmonton Oilers' silks. uh, Becoming the fifth fastest player to 900 points in the NHL. Just 602 games. One goal, four assists in last night's 5-2 win over the Philadelphia Flyers and not just the way the points were accumulated how they were accumulated and you know we're running out of superlatives it's really it, it's really hard to keep finding ways to talk about how much Connor McDavid does on the ice and the way he does it because all of the goals and assists last night were incredible they were all highlight reel every last one of them every four one of his four assists was amazing. The goal was superb. Maybe a little kind of ticked by Zach Hyman going through on uh, on Travis Sanheim, who was flailing anyway on the goal that opened the scoring for the Oilers, but he was kind of in the spin cycle already, and Hyman came by. It's his lane as well. It wasn't a penalty, but his lane as well ticked. Sandheim a little bit but McDavid was well past him by that and just slides it through the old five hole of uh Carter Hart so again the fifth pa- fastest player in NHL history to nine hundred points the four other ones I mean top of the notch top of the heap you know Gretzky Lemieux bossy Pete Stasty who I mean Peter Stasty he doesn't even get mentioned a lot in the greatest players of all time but he is one of them there's no question Career-high six points It happened uh, in Colorado against Colorado in 2019, but you could have thought he might have got seven or eight last night the way uh, things were going. He wanted to one-up Warren Fogel's five-point performance in Anaheim. Anyway, we got to mix things up a, a little bit today because Jeff Merrick we had scheduled at 7.20 gave us a shout last night and said hey fellas can I come on a little bit earlier i got some business to attend to so uh, Jeff Merrick will join us uh, momentarily uh, we've got the usual suspects, uh, Mark Spector coming up at 8. Also Rob Tichkowski from uh, Post Media will uh, be just ahead of spec at 7.40. David Schlemko back in the hot seat after uh, a little bit of time off over Christmas. He'll co-host our Wednesday show as usual for Cougar Peyton Collision at 9 o'clock. And really looking forward to having the wizard, Ray Whitney. Former teammate of Schlemko's, former NHLer, former Edmonton Oilers stick boy. Wow, he's coming up at 10 o'clock. He'll be our headliner of the day. Plus, we'll hook up with Howie Draper. Uh, the head coach of the New York team in the PWHL. Our text line is open one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. How would you rank McDavid's performance last night? One of his best ever? Top five? Top three? What do you think? Uh, let's welcome in. And uh, for our puck report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. And Fountain Tire is helping you stay on the road safely with flexible payment plans to suit your needs. Talk to your local store about their financing options. Learn more at FountainTire.com as we welcome in Jeff Merrick from 32 Thoughts, Roger Sportsnet, the Jeff Merrick Show. Did I miss anything, Jeff? How are you? Good good morning Uh, and Happy New Year.
0: Yeah, happy New Year as well. And uh, yeah, they hand me a broom at the end of the night, and I sweep up on my way out. So how about that?
2: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being the janitor at the end of the day, is there? It's okay. Yeah, I'm okay, being a mopping bucket man—that's cool with me. That, that doesn't describe Connor McDavid, does it? Holy smokes! Last night, oh, another geez. stellar performance.
0: Yeah, you know, I always say about Connor McDavid, like there are just some, there are just some nights, and there are just some games where Connor McDavid seems to want to remind people uh, that this is how we play hockey on the planet that I come from. <laughs> like holy smokes like it it must be the it must be a great feeling to be able to you know before you go on the ice you know decide what kind of game you want to have and then go out and have it and you know be able to do whatever you seemingly do whatever you want while you're on the ice it, it must be the most incredible feeling in the world you know we always always have this sort of you know idea of you know, if you could choose, would you rather be able to breathe underwater or to fly? <laughs> I've always wanted to be in someone else's body for a day mm-hmm. or be somebody else for a day. And if I'm going to be somebody else in the NHL for one game, I really want to know what it feels like to be Connor McDavid in a game like last night.
2: He, I mean, and just the way all of the assists that he accrued last night, they every one of them is a highlight real play. And every, I mean, the goal he put Travis Sanham. I was just saying in the kind of the spin cycle, he didn't know which way to go, and uh, there was yeah. a tiny little tick by Zach Hyman on the way through, and the buzz by the tower. But he just seems to be, as you say, a step ahead. And the the thing that you know, we've been spoiled here, Jeff. I mean, we we really have with all the great players that have come through here.
0: Oh, you think? Uh, but, you think? <laughs> but just the thing is
2: that we he does everything at such a high high speed. And and that's something we never saw. We haven't seen this when when he can do this at such a high level of speed. So um, yeah. you must. I mean, everyone gets amazing. I know. I think we're running out of words to to talk about it, aren't we?
0: He discovered oxygen. How about that? Like the the, the next bit of hyperbole we're going to have about Connor McDavid is he invented oxygen? Um, yeah. Look, like the the thing that, that I've always said about McDavid, which is unique, is he was the first. He was the first of the generation that grew up with the rules package coming out of the 04 05 lockout. And here's what I mean by that. Coming out of 04 05, when the NHL was shut down for an entire year, the game changed. The standard for obstruction changed. Uh, the premium was much more on skating and speed. And it trickled all the way down to, to minor hockey all across the country. Now, what happened was. A lot of people initially had to break old habits and essentially relearn the game. Like, there were a lot of players at the NHL level, at the junior hockey level. Like, everybody had to relearn how to play hockey because the game had profoundly changed. The thing about McDavid and his group, that was really one of, and maybe the first group that grew up with the rules package coming out of the 0405 4 5 lockout. It wasn't that they had to break the way that they were playing. That's just what they knew of, of, about what hockey was. Like, that was it. There was no abrupt change to their game. That was just, oh, this is how we play hockey, so this is how I'm going to excel. Which is why I always say, as great as Connor McDavid is, and he's already cemented, like, a Hall of Fame position, uh, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. there will be more like him. Because he was the first of a generation that grew up playing hockey under this rule, um, uh, under this rule umbrella, and and play hockey in an environment where you weren't getting water skied through the neutral zone. So, as great as he is, and he is great, he's the best player. On the planet right now, there will be more coming.
2: Well, even when you compare that, as we're with Jeff Merrick from 32 Thoughts, Roger Sportsnet, you know, you look at Connor Bedard, right? And he's been able to get his shot away because, as you say, with the new rules that have been implemented, he's had that little extra time and space in junior, and now he's taking it to the NHL. So I agree with you that there will be more on the way. I just don't know. I mean, what's the next guy going to do? That's what I, 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 don't, I who knows?
0: I, 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 I go back to the same, uh, that's a really good point because I always remember when I was a kid, and so I was a kid sort of the, of, the, of the late 70s, um, and I can remember saying to myself, wow, this game is so fast. How much faster could it be? I go back and look at games then. It's super slow. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember nineteen thinking 1987 and that Canada Cup was the best hockey I ever saw and how fast it was and what a, a buzz of entertainment. And holy smokes, how can you follow the puck? Mm-hmm. I look back at it now. The games are still great, but they're nowhere as close to as, as, as quick as the games are now. I remember watching, like listen, you mentioned, you know, spoiled with some great athletes at Edmonton. We all watched Paul Coffey and marveled at how he skated. Wow, there's never going to be a better skater than Paul Coffey in the NHL. I don't know about you, but I watch a lot of Colorado Avalanche games and a lot of Vancouver Canucks games as well. And I say, oh, holy smokes, there's some defensemen here that are making us think about Paul Coffey. So I'm with you. Like, every generation says, oh, this is the best the game has been at. This is the fastest the athletes have ever been. But they keep on getting faster. I I wonder now. If and we're starting to see this, um, the NHL evolves to more of an east-west game than a north-south game. I wonder if that's the next evolution.
2: Geez, I don't know how that can happen with how fast it's going right now. I agree. Listen, I know. I'm just. I'm. But
0: I'm. I'm. I'm like you. I'm trying to figure out. Okay, what's the next evolution of this game? Like, where is this game headed? Like, I really believe. Like, one of the one of the next phases we're going to see in hockey is the idea of the game being positionless that you just line up for the draw as, you know, two defense and three forwards and then when the puck drops everybody has very specific assignments and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it says on the game sheet, oh, he's a right winger, oh, he's a left defenseman, it doesn't matter, you just play to the situation. I think eventually, like long term, that's where the game is evolving.
2: Well, didn't we kind of see that, you know, like even in 72, right, the, when the Russians came and everyone was so, if you're on the left side, you're not going over to the right side, right? And if you're on that's the right it. wing, you're not going over there, but the Russians mixed it up, so... I don't know. I well, just, it's so it,
0: fast. It, it, that, that's interesting, too, because mm. you're right. Like Canadian hockey was like, everything was played like it was table hockey. This is your lane, and you stay in your lane, mm. and you don't move away from this lane, and this is how you patrol, and this is what you do. It was very robotic. The funny thing about it is, we always looked at the Soviets and said, oh, look at how robotic they are. The robotic players were the Canadian ones, because they were married to their lanes. Mm-hmm. Like, they were the ones, to your point, that that wouldn't deviate, and the Soviets were the ones that were really creative. I mean, how many neutral zone regroups did we see in 1972? A ton. Now, the interesting thing about that is I had a conversation. I'm mean, going on a rant here about 1972. I had a conversation with Ron Ellis about 72. This was like 10, 15 years ago. And he said something that has always stuck with me. He said, it's a good thing that the Russians didn't play closer to a North American style. And I said, why is that? And he said, we were all out of shape. We just treated our summers like we normally do. We're going to treat training camp as a way to get the barrels off. And he said they would approach the blue line. If they didn't have a play, they would cycle back. And we would all go, whew, thank goodness they're not making us skate. Hmm. He said if they played a North American style of throwing the puck in our corner and they made us skate for eight games – we probably wouldn't have even won a single game. Yeah. He said, thankfully, the Russians played a game of puck possession and neutrals on regroups, because if they had played the North American style, we were done.
2: Jeff Merrick with us on Sports 1440. Just want to share a quick text uh, circling back to Connor McDavid. This comes from Dean uh, saying Thanks. Roger Maltby once said about Tiger Woods, "Thank goodness we're in a television era; otherwise, our grandchildren would never believe us." Same thing, <laughs> same thing can be said about McDavid. Yeah. That comes from Dean. It's 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 yeah. kind of true.
0: It's it, it's great, but the thing is, like, and, and now that it is, like, it's not even a television era anymore. Like, this is a, yeah. a digital, you know, TikTok era. Mm-hmm right now the thing is i mean all hockey players in the nhl watch the generation that came before but you know there was a time we didn't get a chance to watch you know like gordie howe and john bellivo and rocket richard etc outside of once maybe twice a week the thing now is everybody watches everybody and everyone has clips about everybody so that is more of a foundation that this next generation is building on like there are no there are no more secrets like you watch and break down every single shift mm-hmm. of Conor McDavid. You watch and break down every single shift of Nikita Kucherov and Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon and Sidney Crosby and, 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 and. The nature of secrets are leaving the game, and that's why I think the athletes are just going to continue to get better and better and better.
2: Yeah, and it's when defenses know it's coming and can't stop it. That's big uh, time. Yeah, we we used to say that about the
0: Ovechkin shot, right? Yes. It's like, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. It's just like the race to see if you can
2: stop it. And that's where I wanted to go next, uh, Jeff. Uh, You know, last night Ovechkin, Sid Crosby play again. How many more years, how many more times are they going to play each other? It's been a wonderful rivalry, and it brings yeah. out the best in individually and teams. Uh, Ovechkin had a goal last night, so he's got three in the last six games. So just yep. to touch on that, you know, over the years, this, we've been, again, it's such a privilege to watch two of the best that ever played going head-to-head all these years.
0: Yeah, I don't know that we're going to get another one of those dueling hat-trick games out of, uh, out of both of them, which is maybe the, the, the height of their powers. Uh, but you're right, it was nice to see Ovechkin and Crosby both find the back of the net. Yes, like that, that Crosby goal was sublime. like The way that he turns himself into a, into a board to knock down a puck when he recognizes there are two defenders in front of him and then just starts taking baseball swings at the puck, Like that is A, that is a, a highly intelligent goal, and B, just a hard-working fourth-line style of goal. Um, I've been trying to make this point for a long time. Let me see if I can make it with you and see if I can find an audience Good. here. Uh, When it comes to Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin, when you consider where their franchises were when they were drafted into them, um, we all know about the Pittsburgh Penguins and the rink, and are they going to go to Kansas City, and are they going to leave Pittsburgh? What's happening with the Pens? And you think about the Washington Capitals uh who I mean you go into that rink before ovechkin and i mean it was it was it was a funeral. there was nobody going, it was lifeless I mean you had you know even like a guy like Jeremy even refusing to do line rushes in warm up with his teammates like it was we tend to forget this it was bad, it was awful in Washington, and these two players pretty much single handedly rejuvenated those markets and you know the, the Washington Capitals you know uh, home sellout streak just concluded not too long ago um, and a lot of that is all in the back of Alexander Ovechkin Washington became a cool place to watch hockey games the Washington Capitals became a cool hockey team and became an international brand And the same with the Pittsburgh Penguins and City Crosby. Both teams won Stanley Cups. Both teams won head-to-head. It was all marketed unlike previous NHL, where it was marketed team versus team. This was marketed as player versus player. And all of this under a very tight salary cap for both these athletes. I really think, let me know what you think about this Mm -hmm. one. I think that in the history of the game when you consider how much money Alexander Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby have made for their franchises and meant to their franchises and franchise value, you just look at how much money the Pittsburgh Penguins were sold to the Fenway sports group. I still maintain that both Ovechkin and Crosby were the most underpaid players in the history of the NHL, at least in the salary cap era.
2: I'll go, I'll agree with you in the salary cap area for sure. Um, And I look at, Look at Ovechkin's comment, you know, you know, whatever, about two months ago, saying, "We saved the NHL," you know, coming mm. out of the lockout. That's, I mean, that 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 is a big comment, and it's not, it's not true, it's not not, it's it's true. That's what yeah. uh, that's what I, I, I mean, see. I, I think that
0: I, I think that they were they were two of the contributing factors. I still think that the rules package uh, mm-hmm. helped a lot, but let's not make, make make no mistake about it. Like this game was marketed as Sid versus Ovi. And we all remember the HBO 24-7 Road to the Winter mm-hmm. Classic. I mean, that was all Penguins Capitals. And as much as Bruce Boudreaux became a star, that was all Sidney Crosby versus Alexander Ovechkin. So I, I, I'll get on side with Ovechkin when he said uh, we saved the NHL. But I, I'd say it in a lower key because mm-hmm. I think there were some other things that were going on at the same time. But make no mistake about it. They needed two superstars, and they got it in Ovechkin and Crosby.
2: Just a couple more for you, Jeff, as uh, Jeff Merrick yeah. from uh, Rogers Sports says, I know you got to go in and get an earlier commitment. And uh, uh, Willie Nylander, another big game for the Leafs last night. Uh, what are they going to yeah. do with this guy? Holy cow.
0: Well, it sounds like it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 million times eight years. Now, it might be 11.25, 11.5. Five, who, who knows where it's going to be? But somewhere probably in that ballpark. Um, Nick Kiprios talked about that yesterday on the Leafs broadcast. Um Look, he's having a tremendous season. That's no doubt. To me, the biggest question mark is not if, but when they sign William Nylander at this number, which we believe to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 11. And I know we're all wondering, is it going to be 11 times 8? So it matches the number on his back, 88 million. Eh, maybe <laughs> who knows? We'll see where that goes. Um, but what does that mean for Mitch Marner then? Um, and does Mitch Marner look to sign a contract uh, or look for a contract not too dissimilar to the one that Austin Matthews signed, and can the Maple Leafs afford that? Like, Nylander wants to stay in Toronto. Toronto wants Nylander to stay. I don't think this is going to be another Brad for Living Johnny Gaudreau situation at all. I think there's a commitment from both sides to make this work in Toronto. To me, the big question here is, like, I'm just assuming that that deal is going to get done. To me, the question then becomes what happens to Mitch Marner and is it possible that he might price himself out of Toronto? Well,
2: it's going to be an interesting situation. One last one, Jeff, just on the World Juniors yeah. and tough, tough loss for Canada. Uh, you know, we, yeah, put, we build these one. kids up. We build them up, build them up, build them up, and then – Sometimes it comes crashing down, and it kind of did yesterday, and it's just uh, unfortunate for this group. I don't think there's anything wrong with Hockey Canada and the, uh, no. the coaching the kids. because <laughs> isn't that a, It happens every time, though, doesn't it? When a team well, doesn't fare well at, at the juniors or whatever. We yeah. see it all the time.
0: And listen, there's a lot of really good teams out there. There's a lot of countries that really love hockey and have some great hockey players. As you all well know, this is a tournament where whoever has the best collection of 19-year-olds wins, and it's trending that direction again. We're probably looking at a U.S.-Sweden uh, final. I know Finland and Czechia will have something to say about that before it's all said and done. Um, listen, uh, winning back-to-back is hard. That's what Canada did. And three-peating is even tougher, and that's what Canada was trying to do. Um, I know you can point to, well, there's no Conor Bedard and Adam Fantilli and Shane Wright and Kevin Korchinski and Zach Benson who are all of age and could have been uh, in this tournament, uh, and that's true. Um, Sweden would say, oh, yeah, well, we could have had Leo Carlson, and he's playing in Anaheim right now, and that's a very good point as well. I don't think there's anything wrong here. I just think it's a good reminder that... You know, Canada's not the only country, and winning gold medals um, isn't a birthright for Canada anymore and hasn't been for quite some time. Uh, I will say one thing, man. The cutaways to the goalie parents, (laughs) the goalie's parents, like, there's a very special place in heaven. Like, there's a very, very special place in heaven for goalie moms. And at the end of the game, when they cut away to the parent shot, I just, like – my heart exploded mm-hmm. <laughs> looking at the at, at the goalie parents, but uh, no, I don't think this is summit worthy by any stretch of the imagination. Tough break, you know, mm-hmm. in the in in those types of situations. Uh, and oh, the other thing we should mention too: mm-hmm. Michael Harabal. Get to know that name.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, six foot six goaltender, second round pick, Arizona Coyotes. He did a number on Team Canada yesterday, and I would swear. If I can borrow a line from Brian Burke, considering how he played yesterday, Harabo probably has a part-time job as a wall somewhere. He was outstanding.
2: (laughs) Well said. Hey, Jeff, thanks for uh, (laughs) flipping your schedule and working it out and making uh, it able for us to get you on earlier this morning. Appreciate your time. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Take care, and we'll talk soon. You
0: all right absolutely buzz back anytime always good catching up
2: thanks that's uh jeff merrick roger sportsnet 32 thoughts podcast uh brought to you by fountain tire and our puck report you can head to fountaintire.com to check out the winter tire lineup and brand offerings when we come back we'll have a little ah open text time we'll talk to the duke we didn't have time to even well hey duke let's do it right now good morning duke how are you how was your night Good morning, Kevin. Uh, my night was
1: great. Uh, big Oilers win. Yep. Uh, it, there's not much left to be said that hasn't already been covered in the first uh, 23 minutes here by uh, between yeah, you and yeah. Jeff about what McDavid can accomplish. Of course, the renewing of the um, Ovi and Sid rivalry, both of them scoring for the first time in, a, in quite some stretch in their head-to-head matchup. So it was a great night of hockey. I mean, when you have 13 games on the schedule, you're bound to find some uh, some gems across mm-hmm. the board, uh, including a great comeback by Arizona as well. So there was, a, there was loss to watch last night. And it's kind of it's funny. Like I, I, feel like I don't have so much to do now in the evenings with the uh, football winding down. I, I'm not scouring um, stat sheets and uh, and profiles on where to uh, who to add and who to drop in fantasy, fantasy. football. I'm I, I don't know what to do with all my spare time in the nights now. That usually consumed my whole life. Well,
2: and even you know like right today and you know tomorrow you and i would start talking about the thursday night football game correct and now there is no thursday night football game so that's just one little tweak and and you know what in another month or so we're going to have to really get used to no, having no nfl because for the last 4 months i think due in part because we the edmonton elks were yeah and no one really wanted to talk about the elks we had to <laughs> we were talking about nfl way more yeah. than had the elks been relevant competitive relevant yeah
1: so I, I I agree I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> it's uh, it's a similar issue that uh, Connor and I are facing on a fantasy frenzy now. Because yeah. I mean, hey, the NFL never sleeps. There's always something to talk about as we we already start to look ahead to next season and you know some uh, disappointments from this year, bounce back candidates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, I mean, hey, as we uh, flip into the new year, all of a sudden we're only three months away from mm-hmm. spring training and baseball getting going, and uh, now we can uh, maybe put a little more focus on the. NBA side of things as well. With the, I mean, hey, I know the NBA heads are diehard fans, but for me, I don't start watching any basketball mm-hmm. until NFL season wraps but up. But for
2: you, in in fantasy frenzy, etc., uh, I think you'll really start focusing on baseball again. When we came on the air in September, it's basically kind of done. It's
1: all wrapped up. Pretty so well, right? now
2: yeah. you you know we got you know technically spring training's several weeks away. You know we're six weeks away till we get till pitchers and catchers report. Yeah, it's it's so. I mean, you're going to be getting into the baseball rotisserie leagues and things like that on Fantasy Frenzy with baseball oh, a yeah. lot more. Oh, God, yeah. I'll be able to help you a little That's, more.
1: I, I think you'll be a, a weekly spot, Kevin. <laughs> you can tell us uh, how, well you're, I, how well you're faring in uh, in that league. It won't be 0-18, baby. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. <laughs> uh,
2: when we come back, a little uh, open text time. We've got uh, some rolling in already. Uh, give us a show too, if you want to talk to us, one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 1440 the Kevin Carey Show returns on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. As we had to mix things up just a tiny bit to get uh, Jeff Merrick on. And when you get a chance to talk to Jeff Merrick, you adjust the schedule. Uh, and that's what we did. But boy, uh, some great insight on Connor McDavid, Sid Crosby, Alex Ovechkin. And again, the way that Connor McDavid uh, racked up the points last night, simply amazing. Uh, text coming in 1 1440. Chomsker says McDavid could have had five more assists Uh, last night probably close to it anyway Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins just totally flushed one off the post Uh, that would have been another one couple other slot passes that uh, Chomskers says uh, maybe the receivers got too cute but uh, still unbelievable performance Uh, Steer Farmer chimes in morning gentlemen Oilers played great last night back in the wild card hunt uh, wow, McDavid keeps climbing on that scoring race. I had to really read that one carefully, Duke, because I had one of the all-time bloopers back in 1990 saying that phrase and mixed up the consonants and don't have to say any more than that. Uh, so the way that McDavid played last night, again, all, all of the, um, the assists, like the first goal... We talked about it already. When he he kind of threw uh, Travis Sanheim, it was a two on two. Ends up to be a clear shot. Hyman buzzed by Sanheim, just a little foot on foot. He's entitled to that lane as well. That made it one nothing. The second goal. I mean, even Zach Hyman post game said. No, oh, I knew he was going to get the puck to me. I mean, I I could feel that he was going to get, I mean, a total no-look backhand spinner right on the tape. And you know what? Carter Hart almost made that save. I mean, Zach Hyman went to his backhand quite quickly. Good move. He made the right move. But Carter Hart, it went off his arm, a little bit off his shoulder, and uh, just had enough... Uh, uh, Umta on it to just get over that arm. And uh, for Hyman, that's 22 goals on the year. He had another sensational game. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, and McDavid had 11 points. One of the things, you know, when it was 2-2, the key moment of the game, without a shadow of a doubt, was the uh, power play goal uh, late in the second period because Philadelphia willed itself back into the game. Mark Stahl, like no one thinks Mark Stahl's going to sneak up into the play. Uh, He had a free look, made a 2-2 on Stu Skinner. and, And on that subject, Stu Skinner with another outstanding, very solid game, 35 saves. And just think about it. We talked about this earlier this year when the two played in Philadelphia, Carter Hart and Stu Skinner. These two guys played against each other, you know, 10, 12 years ago when they were playing in Bantam back in Edmonton. Stu Skinner was with the Southside Athletic Club. And uh, uh, Carter Hart was in Sherwood Park. So these guys have been going head to head for all these years. Tyler Benson was on that team. Sam Steele was on that team uh, in Sherwood Park. Benson was with Southside. Uh, James Hamlin was a first year guy. Uh, I mean, they had amazing talent on both those two teams. Uh, but back to that power play goal to make it 3 2. Every player was involved. If you could hand it out, four assists on a goal, that would have been a goal where you go, yeah, every every player on the ice, on the Oilers deserves an assist. I mean, great wall play by Leon Dreisidel and great wall play by uh, Evan Bouchard to get the puck down low. And then Ryan Nugent Hopkins converts after Zach Hyman feeds uh, Connor McDavid, quick little pass. All those passes were what? Two, three feet apart? So we, when you're connecting passes that close, you're you're the optimum for success greatly. Increases. That was that was a goal that where the Oilers said this is still our game, even though we had a two nothing lead. It's two two. This is still our game. And then in the third period, I mean, uh, how long was the six on five for that? Uh, Connor sets up Leon with a long pass, and I mean, all the Flyers players are just gassed on the ice. And then the five two goal, beautiful saucer, beautiful saucer pass to Ryan Nugent Hopkins who goes shelf on Carter Hart uh, for another. Highlight, real goal. Five points. Uh, <laughs> again, fifth fastest to 900. What more can you say? Uh, when we come back, we will check in with Rob Tichkowski from the Post Media, Edmonton Sun, Edmonton Journal, Post Media. Uh, that's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. The Duke comes through with his Brian Adams in the 740 break. As we uh, welcome in Rob Tichkowski from Post Media. Morning, T-Bone. Are you a big BA fan, Brian Adams?
3: Uh, he's, he's fine. He <laughs> wouldn't be uh, at the top of, the top of my uh, Apple playlist. But, yeah, I don't know. He's got a couple of decent tunes.
2: We're, we're in the same boat, but I, the Duke comes through every 740. That's his go-to guy at Brian Adams. Really? yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> All right. You know, I remember probably six, seven, eight years ago, we were in a in a scrum or it might've been just in the coach's room. I think it was probably Todd McClellan coaching and, and Connor McDavid had a big night. And I think you, you asked a question. uh, So did anyone stick out to you tonight? And uh,
3: was was, was there any one player that that stood out?
2: Yeah.
3: It was like a five-point
2: night. Yeah. Everyone kind of got a chuckle. It was kind of the same thing last night. what did you think?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you have to be careful that you don't, take this guy for granted like he he does it so often and and so frequently but like i mean we've seen a lot of hockey a lot of goals over the last 30 some odd years here you see gretzky play live and then you go to the rink last night and he's there's a guy who's still you're watching this thing and you're like oh (laughs) like you can't believe what you just saw you're jumping up to look at the replays and and then you, you go into the room and you talk to the guys about it and they just start laughing like yeah hey that's connor man that's that's what he does so it's uh you know, as, as Edmontonians, you gotta—how you know, spoiled can one yeah. hockey community be? Like, if there's a a Mount Rushmore of hockey, Edmonton's going to have two guys on it. Like, that's you know, pity pity places like Calgary and Toronto who uh, who won't have a sniff.
2: Um, are you running out of things to write to say when you watch?
3: Yeah, because he does it so often and and so impressively that it, it sounds like you're you're just gushing and you're a homer. But at the same time, you know, yesterday was. An all-time game. Like the team comes home after a long road trip, and they're you know they got a tough opponent that's that's hungry for a win, and you know they're slowly making you know progress up towards the playoffs. while You know they need that game badly. And what happens? McDavid comes out, he scores a highlight reel goal, he scores you know, and then he throws in four highlight reel assists. Like mm-hmm. y- you want to, you you know you can't help but gush over how you know how incredibly that guy. Can rise to the moment, and then you you keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and it sounds like you're you know some sort of uh, uh, a PR guy for McDavid, but he leaves you no choice. He he's that good. He's just you know like I said, one of the best players who's ever put on skates
2: mm-hmm. post media is Rob Tichkowski our guest on sports 1440 uh, the Oilers have you know they've got themselves into the playoff race again thanks to the six game winning streak they did it earlier with an eight game winning streak but for some reason this six game winning streak feels to me that they're a little more complete than the eight game winning streak uh, where, where would you sit on that comment
3: yeah, well, yeah, it feels a little better because they're like fourteen three in their last mm-hmm. in their last six. But yeah, they've only, you know, the last four games they've only given up six goals against. So they've got that foundation where they're never, you know, really chasing games. And if they're behind a little bit, it's only by one goal, and they know that they have the firepower to catch up. So when you're, you know, when you're riding a six-game win streak and you've outscored the other guys twenty to four over the last four games, uh, you know things are falling into place like Skinner you know, he started the year with worse numbers than Campbell. And, you know, he, he had this sort of the, the mental strength to, to reel it back in and the defense is playing better in front of him, obviously, with Ekholm being healthy and, and obviously McDavid being healthy just takes things to an entirely different level, right? So they go from being a team that was 30th in the league and the season's over and the coach is fired and now all of a sudden all of those expectations you had in the preseason about a long playoff run are, are, are back on the table now because, you know, this is the Oilers team that everybody expected uh, that we would see this year
2: Rob Tichkowski with us on Sports 1440 Um, you know Titch right now you got two really good lines going and you know the Leon line put up 10 points in Anaheim last night 11 points for the McDavid line is there do you still feel how many pieces to the puzzle need to be added here to make this an elite elite team
3: yeah, like well, that's the thing. Like, like early on, you're just like, you know, what would it take so this team doesn't blow the season? And, and like I was saying, with the expectations of of a long playoff run and maybe a Stanley Cup being back on the table, you have to raise the bar for for that bottom six again. And you know, Evander Kane's there and Matthias Janmark is there. They're they're two decent players, and maybe they'll they'll find a role. But I think you're going to need. If if Ryan McLeod is up and and is going to be a winger, then you're going to need a, a third line center. You don't you're not going to go into a deep playoff run with Derek Ryan and, and James Hamblin as your third and fourth uh, as your third and fourth centers. And you know they might need some defensive depth depending on how Broberg looks coming out of uh, you know what I think is a, a very useful opportunity for him in Bakersfield. Right, if he comes back after. 25 games or so, and and it looks like he can be a really strong seventh defenseman. That'll help. You won't have to spend any assets to fill that hole. And there's also the question of the backup goalie. Although mm-hmm. Calvin picker has been pretty good so far, but uh you know, as the team gets better and and uh, and the bar is raised, the bar gets raised for for the for everybody. And that means the bottom six now. You know, it's not doesn't just have to be good enough to squeak you into the playoffs. It has to be good enough to get you three or four rounds deep. So you know, they bought themselves some time here as they move up the standings and and things fall into place. But yeah, they're going to have to add, you know, prior to the deadline, just like they did last Mm -hmm. year, just add a couple of, you know, uh, maybe not household names, but good, solid veteran players with a little bit of size and playoff experience that uh, would be exactly what they need going into the playoffs.
2: Size is a big thing uh, moving down the stretch and into the playoffs. Uh, I mean, look at the L.A. game in the first period. That's Probably the first period is the only time in, I guess, I don't know, the last 15 to 17 games where the Oilers were dominated. And they were dominated by L.A. in that first period because L.A. threw everything at them. Size, yeah. speed, I mean, that big line in L.A. So, uh, I mean, you know, guys like Bukestead just don't fall off trees coming at the trade deadline. That was a big acquisition uh, last year. Uh, on the subject of goaltending, what do you think happens – uh, and again, the order schedule right now it affords them even more time. The whole month mm-hmm. of January, these games are spaced out. You have the ability to pull, put in Cal Pickard. You can ride Stu Skinner here. What, what do you think is going to happen here down down the stretch here in the next six weeks or so with the goaltending situation?
3: Yeah, that's it. Works out. There's no back to backs. They just play like like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday the whole way. So they can they can ride Skinner for, and after that, they've got a break the bye week and the all-star break. So they can, they can ride Skinner pretty heavily heading down this stretch. And uh, I mean, Calvin Pickard is when they put him in there, he's been, he's been good, right? Is he like three and one in his last four or something like that? So there's no urgency yet to, uh, to, to, to do something. And and there's, you know, frankly, there's not a whole bunch they can do at the moment. You know, people are waiting on Jack Campbell, but I, I, you know, I don't see that happening. I mean, he's not going to come up here until, yeah. A, he starts playing really well in the minor. Like, if, you, if you're not winning games in the minors, you're not going to come up and win games in the National Hockey League. So he's got to get himself straightened out down there. And then Pickard would have to falter up here before we saw any sort of internal move, I would think. And uh, and even then, like, if Pickard struggles and Campbell's still struggling, you've got Rodrigue down there you can take a look at. So, you know, again, it's nothing urgent because Skinner's winning the goaltending battle most nights now. He's really reeled his game back in. But you, you're going to have to have... A solid, dependable, proven backup goaltender. Because if you know this team mm-hmm. could go deep in the playoffs, and if and if Skinner gets hurt, then what? You can't just blow off the season. You got to have a guy who can step in there and and do like Aiden Hill did for Vegas last year, and and uh, you know get your team deep.
2: Rob Tichkowski. Oh, I, I, sorry. sorry, go, go ahead. ahead, Ditch.
3: No, so they're going to have to do yeah. something, but like like we said, it it's not urgent.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. They have some time here. I I think I could see. I could see Cal Pickard playing all the Thursday games here, you know, coming up. Uh, Saturday, you know, the Oilers are off today. Saturday, uh, Ottawa's here. Then the Oilers go on on three uh, road games. Uh, I could see, you know, Skinner playing the first game in Chicago. I could see Cal Pickard playing in Detroit on the Thursday because that was, you know, a franchise that he was with. And then Skinner plays in Montreal. Then he plays back here against Toronto. I could see... Depending on how Skinner's feeling, I could see Pickard back in the net against Seattle and have two out of three going down after the Ottawa game. Um, the one guy I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on is Evan Bouchard. You know, he took a lot of bullets at the start of the season. I mean, fans run him. They wanted him running him out of town. Uh, he was getting a lot of heat, but he turned his game around defensively. And with what he brings offensively, he's, he's playing great right now.
3: Yeah, and it's like he's kind of from that, that Skinner book, right, where it you, you takes, like, they were getting roasted. Like, you know, Skinner's the, you know one of the worst goalies in the league. Bouchard's a, a horrendous defensive liability. It takes a lot of mental strength for a guy to to pull out of that kind of a tailspin in a city like Edmonton. and Not everybody can do it. Some mm-hmm. players just, uh, they wilt under the pressure and they collapse and they're never the same again. So for him to be able to... To reel it back in and and play, you know, with the calm and poison. Let's be honest, Eckholm being healthy has a big plays a big role in that. But he's still he's still wheeling it out there. He's mm-hmm. he looks solid. He looks calm. He, he makes the odd mistake everybody does, but he's but you know he, him offensively is is he's one of the better offensive defensemen in the league. Goes without saying. But uh, for him to 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 get off the canvas after you know a really bad start, the whole team had a bad start. But yeah. for for guys like him and uh, him and Skinner to show the, the the mental toughness and the mental fortitude to 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 get it back after a start like that is is crucial. And that's the kind of guys you want in your room. Is, is guys who are mentally tough, who aren't gonna who aren't gonna collapse when you know everybody in the world is telling them how bad they are.
2: Dylan Holloway is getting closer and closer to a return. Where does he fit into the picture here? Does he need some time down, uh, conditioning stint uh, in Bakersfield? Uh, where do you see him fitting into the puzzle here?
3: Yeah, I, I still don't know, like, what he is as a player. Like, he, he's, he's hurt so so often, and he's kind of had that start like Taylor Hall had, where you just get a little progress, and then you're hurt again. You get a little progress, and you're, you're hurt again, yeah. like... He's got size, he plays hard, he skates fast. like there's there's something there for sure, but he just needs 20, 30, 40 games worth of runway to, to find a niche and, and, and a role and, and and flush it out and because I think you know obviously he's got he's got the whole package. so mm-hmm. uh, as soon as the coaching staff can figure out you know where he fits and you talked about like a third and a fourth line there. like if you can add some size and speed and energy, with Holloway and put him in one of those spots that could kind of rejuvenate uh, one of those lines and, you know, and get things going. So, uh, you know, I have faith in the coaching staff, you know, what they've done with Warren Fogo, finding a role for him that, that suits him pretty well. And the kind of the way they've, you know, transformed Ryan McLeod from being a third line center to a second line winger and worked for, it's working pretty well. So, you know, I'll, Leave this up to them to to see what they they got with this player, but there's a lot of there's a lot of tools there. There's something for sure,
2: you know. Tich, whenever I see players like Fogle or McLeod, you know, grab the bull by the horns and run with it, and you see a player like Holloway who's been watching for the last six weeks. He's got to be going. All right, you know, I got a chance here because he is kind of like a McLeod Fogle hybrid. He he has a little bit of each. You know, he's got the speed, he's got the size, he can play physical. He obviously has been able to score in junior and in college, so he has not been able to take that to the next level. So he's got to be able to recognize the fact that those guys can do it I still have the ability and I have the wherewithal to take that path uh, as sure. well. Uh, anything yeah. else Anything else catching your eye here, Titch, as we go into the month of January? I mean, the schedule sure suits the team uh, moving forward. They have a chance to continue to move up in the standings. Uh, uh, Connor McDavid's 53 points. He's 10 off the, the lead. Uh, anything catching your eye here as we move into 2024?
3: Yeah, like McDavid, he was 120. He was 113th in league scoring yeah. about uh, six weeks ago. Now he's third. He's going to win another R. Ross. But uh, you talked about like Holloway m- 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 looking for his opportunity. This is a, a really uh, a merit-based coaching staff. Now you mm-hmm. see, like Ryan McLeod, t- typically you know forever he was penciled in as your third line guy. Fogo forever was penciled in as a third line guy. This coach looks at him and says, you know what? These guys are playing well. They're hustling. I'll put them on the second line, and it's working. So if you're Holloway, you can say, I've got a chance. Because this coaching staff, if I play well, if I play hard, if I do what they're telling me to do, I'm going to get some ice time. So mm-hmm. for a guy like that and for a for everybody, like the bar is raised. Like the, the team is better, and you're going to have to fight for your spots. But you have a coaching staff that's watching, and if, and if, you, if you're doing what they ask, and if you're playing hard, you're going to get your look. And that's the kind of culture that you want out of your hockey team is everybody – fighting for ice time and everybody holding themselves accountable and and that's that's where the team is now kind of a remarkable turnaround from where uh, you know Mm -hmm. the season looked like it was over after about 12-13 games
2: T-Bone thanks for getting out of the rack early this morning to do this (laughs) really appreciate it how how, like normally what do you roll out 10-11 what is it (laughs)
3: <laughs> uh, no, I usually go to sleep around twelve thirty-one and yeah. then get up get up at about eight. Ah,
2: so just a fifteen minute, twenty minute, uh, just a little earlier. Yeah, right? it's
3: not too bad. What do you guys get up for, like on this show? Well,
2: like, oh, uh, I'm up at four, probably three oh, thirty-four. Oh. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, we don't. I don't roll in here at five to seven. But you know, we get here. We're here just to kind of go through stuff, and uh, it's a little different after thirty-three years working till midnight. I'll tell you that.
3: Yeah no that's uh, your body clock uh, is a real thing man it uh, it takes some time to adjust
2: Exactly. Uh, Thanks, Titch. We'll see you down at the rink. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. All right, that's Rob Tichkowski from Post Media. When we come back, we'll talk to, I guess, a former colleague, still, I guess, colleagues, if you call it, uh, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet will join us at the top of the hour for Booster Juice. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. You can watch NFL football at First Round, Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays. Actually, not Thursdays anymore, but Saturdays now. Monday, and no more Mondays either. So just Saturday and Sunday. How's that sound? <laughs> you could win a trip to your uh, favorite team uh, next year. Here is the Duke.